Address the problem, release the burden. That's what I'm reminded of. Address the problem, release the burden. So you've not only given me a space to release that burden, but we've addressed issues. Like we've addressed things in my life, in the world, that just having a simple conversation about takes takes away the pain and the strife and the frustration. And so I feel a release. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Redefine Your Roots podcast. My mission for this series is all about understanding where we come from. What is the source of who we are today? How can we challenge our perspectives of what we know to show up as our highest version of ourselves? Every episode, you'll hear an impactful story or perspective to help create a new narrative of our own. I'm your host, a queer black woman, entrepreneur, coach, mental health advocate, creative, and most importantly, a real person, just trying to figure out the ways of the world. My name is Nicole Raglan, and this is Redefine Your Roots. So before we get into today's episode, I really just wanted to express some gratitude. I'm super grateful and thankful for everyone that has been tapped in and tuned in so far with this podcast. All the positive words and feedback that I've received so far has just been like beyond me. So I just want to say thank you so much. If you are here, I appreciate you for your time and your energy. And remember, if you are new here or you are returning, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below. Leave a written review or rating. It definitely helps with the growth of this podcast. I'm super excited to continue this journey. And yeah, let's just grow together, y'all. So in today's episode, I am speaking with one of my best friends, Mackenzie Kelly, and we are talking a lot about the cultural boxes that we are placed in and how can we look at these boxes that we've been placed in and try to see ourselves from a different lens other than from what we've known you know sometimes we experience things that don't necessarily make us feel good or sometimes the things that we associate with and we identify by aren't meant to make us feel good but how can we like reassociate ourselves with things that we are taught whether that's through race whether that's through gender whether that's through how you show up as a mom a daughter or you know sometimes these experiences don't necessarily make us feel good but how can we use experience that we've had for ourselves and show up for someone else differently Um, I think it's really beautiful because she has two little babies herself and some of the experiences that she's had when it came to her upbringing weren't necessarily the best from an emotional standpoint so how can I switch the narrative when it comes to how I'm showing up for my kids you know so we really touch base on a lot of real issues that we've experienced when it comes to our race or our social economic background or how that kind of takes a toll on how we 
can be our best selves. And if you don't per se identify with being a person of color or being a woman, I definitely feel like you can gain something from this conversation because there are just so many levels of systemic systems that kind of have things already set in place for people and how can we like look at those systems and like reassociate ourselves with them or seeing how other people might have it harder than me or I might have it easier than someone else based off of these systems that society has created and being more open and being more aware of someone else's perspective when it comes to those systems is going to create a happier place. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. What's up guys? And today I'm with my best friend, Mackenzie Kelly. I'm so excited to have her here today. She is like one perspective that I always appreciate hearing um, just in regards to just life, perspective, like everything. Um, she's an inspiration to me as well as to a lot of people. So I'm just excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here, girl. How you feel Thank today? you for having me. I feel good. I feel good. I'm excited to be here and I'm always proud of you. So this is amazing. Yes. Thank <laughs> Thanks you. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you define yourself within the world. Oh, that's a loaded question for a Monday morning. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I think that you said my name. I think I'm still, if I was being honest, I'm not really sure. I think I'm still working on that. Um, I think I am in the process of shedding some identities and looking for new ones. And um, yeah, so I think it's just a process. I don't really know if I show up in the world, but I do feel like I try to be cognizant on the long, like the long haul. So like, how am I going to show up at the end, right? So, or how am I going to be remembered? You know, Beyonce, you know, that song where she's standing in front of the ocean. I am here, here. I have (laughs) Grammy on the way. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, so that whole like perspective of like, at the end, what have I left behind, I think is more of my mindset. Um, And so I try to focus on the long haul for better or for worse, because sometimes it's like, you should just live in the moment. But I do think when I'm, when I'm doing my own personal work of like, what do I want to be at the end? How do I want to communicate with people? What do I want to be my, you know, impact? You know, what do I want to change about myself? I think it's always just in long term. So I'm definitely still on the journey. I can't say that I show up every day and I know, but I am getting there. Yeah. And that's real. (laughs) It does take a lot to be like, yo, I don't know who I am right now or like how I'm really showing up, but you know, I'm trying, you know, so that does, that does say a lot. So yeah. (laughs) What are some steps that you're taking like on a day-to-day basis to kind of get to that point of discontentment within just who you are? Another good question for Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that every time because I don't, I feel like I don't get a lot of time to really think about myself that much um, out in the open. So um, yeah, I would say that the things that I feel like I do actively to kind of engage with myself is um, 
a lot of reflecting in work. So when I have conversations with my students, I'm a teacher world. Hello. Uh, mm -hmm. So when I'm, when I'm interacting with the kids, um, that is just all about reflection. So after I leave a conversation, I'm constantly thinking about that. When I, you know, use an old PowerPoint, for example, uh, I could, I notice the language and I'm like, whoa, like who was I 10 months ago when I last used that, that PowerPoint? What the hell, like that is not appropriate or that is not true or whatever the case may be. Um, so I can't, that's what I do for my job and, and teaching is such a personal occupation. Uh, you literally are teaching someone how to be the best human from your own perspective. So if I am like a shitty human, my students will be shitty, shittily impacted um, and be shitty. So I feel like I'm constantly engaging on that end. I think my relationship with my partner also, it, it's developed in a lot of different ways over the last year and a half um, for several different reasons. Um, and we're both learning to communicate with each other in a way that we didn't have to before. Um, and listening to him, I really feel like I have to take on what he says without criticism and, and realize, oh, what do I have? What are my triggers? What is he saying that I'm taking personally or I'm taking wrong or whatever? Like, what baggage am I bringing? Um, so when I can sit with that after maybe like an argument that we have or a conversation that we have or even just like a flippant moment we might have, I'm able to reflect on that. I feel like ironically, I do it with the podcast. So I listen to, I have a lot of challenges for myself. Like, for example, I try to listen to a podcast by every, uh, every walk of life. So I have like gay history is one of the podcasts I listen to. I listen to, um, not Asian enough or Asian, not enough, something of the other, no disrespect to them. Cause it's an amazing podcast. Um, I listen to, um, uh, all my relations, which is a native American podcast. Um, I'm good off Europeans. I, I really know a lot about them. So I don't necessarily focus on, on, on white culture, um, because I'm American. So I understand it really well. Um, but I do try to engage myself in, in different perspectives. Um, and that helps a lot too. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> that's, that's real because I be like, because <laughs> I be like, what do I do to show up as a good human every day? I'm like, uh, I meditate, kind of, sometimes go journal. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you were, like, talking a little bit about, like, you know, feedback from your partner and not really being able to take that and be de defensive by that. So how do you do that for, like, all walks of life? Like, you know, you're a teacher. Suppose, like, one of your students are like, Miss Kelly, I don't like the way you teach. Or, like, you know, you're at work and your boss is giving you feedback. Like, how do you not take defense on and still feel, like, confident with how you move? Oh, I definitely am offended. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I would say, I would counter and say, I don't think it's about not being offended. I think that's okay. Um, you can have your moment and be offended, but you have to learn from that at the end, right? So like I do surveys probably every time we have a break. So like before Thanksgiving break, before Christmas break, Easter break, whatever. And I always ask them like, 
hey, what's one way Miss Kelly can do better for you or whatever? And usually, because my students are amazing and I'm amazing, they're like, Miss Kelly, you're perfect. And I'm like, I know, right? And I'm like, thank you very much. But <laughs> but when they do say like, hey, like, oh, I, I, I want to read more, which they've never said, but uh, I want to play more games, they'll say that, right? I, I have, I take a second and I'm like, ugh, like, let me be real. One time this kid, uh, God, I don't remember his, John, John Paul, ain't never, ever come to school. Ain't never, ever showed up on virtual class. Ain't never done not a damn thing. He's going to sit there and say, Miss Kelly makes assignments to do at two and I'm at work. So I get a zero. I was like mad at first. I was like, John Paul, you don't ever come. Your ass ain't ever in class. Uh, so how are you going to make a negative comment when I actually make a negative comment, but I don't really want one. Right. So I was super mad. And then I had to, you know, I was mad. I was annoyed. I didn't react though. So I think that's like the thing, right. You just have to be mad. You talk to your partner, your friend, you know, my mom, another coworker, whatever you bitch about it. And then you circle back and you're like, Oh, okay. And, um, you know, the next day I addressed it. So I was like, you know, I really appreciate your guys' feedback, which I did. I didn't always, you know, again, you don't have to like every criticism that you get. You just have to, like, respect it. And so for Jean-Paul, I'm like, you probably should have freaking told me you worked. But I didn't say it with an attitude. I was like, I'm so sorry. I did not know that some of us were working. That was really my bad. So anybody can make up this work, and I'll extend the time till 9 a.m. so that some of you who are working, you know, which in real life, you should have just told me you were working, bruh. But if that was the safe space that I created for you to say that, um, then I just have to respect that. So same thing in your relationship, you know, we fight, whatever. And then the next day or via text message or, you know, you just, you say like, you know, okay, I reacted or I was mad or I thought about that, but now I have the opportunity to like say something else. And that's like a whole skill, like to be able to put that off to the side and be like, you know what, you should have done this, but you know what, I'm going to like be the bigger person in the situation and try to like move so that it's, it's okay for the both of us. So do you ever feel like it's, do you ever feel like it's like challenging though, to try to like navigate those situations? What are some like kind of hardships that you face while you're trying to decide that? I, I feel like when I was younger, yeah, but now, you know what, Nicole, I, you might not remember this, but we were having like an in-depth conversation in your bed. Um, and you said that I was like a flailing cockroach, right? And how I respond to people and like I panic and whatever. And for the receiver, it could seem like it's so much energy. And for me, I don't necessarily, you know, feel that way. I don't feel like I'm giving out all this energy. Um, but the receiver again is feeling that. And so I think from that moment on, I committed and committed is a strong word for how loosely I did this. Um, but I think I, I acknowledged and I became aware, I guess, of that. And I, keep it in my head all the time. So when I feel myself like getting worked up, like Brandon and I were just saying like, you know, we have to have like a safe word for our arguments because when we come back around, we're always much better. But in like his argument style is much more like 
if you say something that I don't like, or if I'm starting to get annoyed, I'll go look. That's just his argument style. And he will shut off and like, won't hear you what you're saying. And I'll just be like, nope, nope. And like purposely want to go harder. I don't think it's purposeful in the fact that he's aware of it, but he's acknowledging that that's his like automatic response. And for me, I'm like, I might be giving out energy, but I'm not mad. Like I just want to better understand you. But it just, when we are in a moment where we're not understanding each other, it can just become like circle. So we are like saying like, we need a safe word to just, we'll table this and come back later. So I think like in that, I just keep that cockroach image in my head and I don't want to be like that. So I, I feel like that's when I acknowledged it. And that's when I just started to kind of, you know, try to not do that, but I, it's, I'm not successful. I do think that I react. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still working on it. I don't think I, I know. <laughs> Wait, did I say that? That's so disrespectful. No, you said it and you, and that was okay. You just described my behavior and I'm As a flare approach. I said yeah. those exact words. You're yeah. flailing. Wow, yeah. that sounds so disrespectful. No, it was no, it was in context, and you were giving a visualization. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, and so when I feel myself getting that way, I I imagine that it's my anxiety though. That's how it shows up for me. I don't know how I show up, but I know how my anxiety shows the fuck up. <laughs> no, and that's and that's <laughs> real because I feel like for me, I'm really, really anxious, and I feel like I didn't even really acknowledge the fact that I was an anxious person until later in my life. Like I swore it was just like me just wanting to be alone, but it was really my anxiety kicking in because I didn't know how to deal or handle with situations. You know? Yeah, I don't know how to socialize. Like <laughs> I have like serious strokes when I see people, and it's worse because of the pandemic. Yeah. I, find my yo it's worse because i can't drink no more like i have no tolerance so one glass of wine i'm fucking drunk on the floor and then and then i haven't seen human beings i see them sporadically like one three months at a time so i'm like (laughs) (laughs) my neighbors probably fucking hate me because every time we hang out i'm like (laughs) literally just barfing words at them and then yeah they're probably like are you okay (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst combination, pandemic anxiety and drinking. (laughs) So how have you been coping with like anxiety and like, where do you feel like it stemmed from? Um, I think everyone has anxiety. I think that's just being human. I think we live in like, you know what? I don't know about people around the world. But I know in America, and then specifically being in the Northeast, where we just are like, go, 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 go. I think, again, that capitalist, that's ingrained in American society. We don't take breaks. I think social media has made that even harder. So I feel like uh, social media makes it worse. Um, But yeah, so I just think it's natural. It's the competitiveness. I was a gymnast from the time I'm four um, to like 14 ish so about a decade worth and I think gymnastics is probably like ballet like ice skating um one of the most critique-ish I don't know how you say that uh but it's a sport that has the most critiques right um there are no manly sports in which you are critiqued like that unless you are a gymnast or a dancer (laughs) or a figure skater 
Um, but women's sports very specifically are like that. So I, I spent a lot of time alone without my parents. And then I was in the care of these very critical people. Um, and then on top of that, like the only black person there in my environment, both in school and then in my sport. So I feel like I just, and my grandmother is a psychopath. I love her, love her, but she's absolutely brutal in terms of her critique. So I just think that the combination of all those things made me a very anxious person. And it's not anxious as much as it is perfection in it being a perfectionist within limits because sometimes I'll be like, well, I look a mess, but I don't even care. But yeah, it, it, it's driven by perfectionism. What is the word? Perf- uh, being a perfectionist. Woo. Yeah, perfectionist, perfectionism. I don't have two degrees on those three. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> being, you know what I'm saying? Being a perfectionist, right? And so, yeah, I think that's that. And like, that's where it comes from. I feel like that um, would cause me, cause, cause me a lot of anxiety too. Like, what are some things that you feel like you do now to combat that kind of anxiousness that you got from those situations because I feel like you know you're saying like all right well my mom or not my mom or like my grandma or all these people in my life are really critical around how I showed up do you feel like it impacts like how you show up now like I think I'm always conscious of it I don't think I've I've done the work to soothe it as much as I have maybe done some work to uh well, vice versa. I don't think I've done work to mitigate it, to like stop the anxiety. Uh, but I do think that I've tried to figure out ways to uh, temper it and uh, move around it, skirt around it, right? Um, as opposed to really face it head on. I, I had tr- I've tried a couple of times. I've gone and sat at therapists, whatever. But I think I've never been quite ready to say the things that I need to say out loud. Uh, but I will say like, I, um, I, my mom is really open and I think although she has her limits, I think she's really open and has taught me to be open. So we're, uh, open to critique and open to being like honest and, and hearing certain things that we need to hear. So for example, like if I say like, this is what you did, Uh, you know, it might take her a minute to sit with it, but she allows me that opportunity to say those things. So I think that's been really helpful. Um, My partner as well is like really allows me the space while I don't always get the responses that I want because he's like brick wall type of person with his emotions. So I'll say anything. (laughs) I'm talking to a wall and it does not respond to me. But I, (laughs) but I have at least, I surround myself with people who allow me to say what I need to say, I think is a way that I can cope with it. I take a lot of ownership. So I try to like, be like, okay, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. And I don't know if that's a good coping skill. Um, Cause sometimes I feel like the opposite. I take on a lot of accountability for my actions. I'm gonna need you to take some and like do it without me telling you, you need to take some. Um, but Yeah. So I think that, um, and sometimes I try to, I think biggest is like trying to not judge other people. That's really how my anxiety has always presented itself is like, I am so critical of myself. I'm super stressed about what I wear, what I look like, how I sound, you know, even little things like the food I eat, 
eat whatever, whatever it is, I'm super particular about it. And so I've, I'm learning um, to like not judge other people for not caring as much as I do. I think that's the hardest part about it. Because when I see people who are just doing what the fuck ever, I get angry, low key. Like I'm like, Nothing inside you tells you that that is ridiculous. You should not be you doing have that. No, right. Like, you have no pressure. You have no sense of, like, no. Because I'm sitting over here, like, robot. Like, this is what I need to do. This is the timeline. This is whatever. This is what I've sacrificed to get here. And you're over here frolicking Great. through the fucking flowers. Yeah. You know? And I'm, and I get angry. So I think working on that too, is like something I just, it's just being aware. I think I'm just trying to be an aware person. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I've really been like trying to be in tune with these past few months, because I feel like for me, the whole accountability thing, I think for me, I take on a lot of accountability too. Well, what did I do wrong? Well, 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 maybe if I would have responded this way, well, well, you know, you start freaking out and you start getting super anxious about it. And it's like, yeah it starts becoming overwhelming to the point where you're doing more harm than good, you know? Right. Right. And, exactly. And, and in return to what you're saying about um, just like how people are doing anything and saying anything and you're getting upset to the point where, well, how are you doing that? And I'm over here following the rules and I'm not getting anywhere and you're doing anything over there. So I definitely. What the fuck ever. <laughs> people do what the fuck ever. And I, not to cut you off, but I'm like, I get like, bitch, what? Mm -hmm. Like, can I give you an example? Do you care? No, yeah, that's what I want. I am 28 years old. 28. I have two degrees. I start my third one next, in the next couple of months. Shout out to Columbia Teachers College. I hope that they're hey. not offended by what I'm saying. I probably should not say that, but uh, let okay, me wrap that after I graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're like, bitch, I heard you on my podcast, reject it. Yeah. <laughs> For sending your admissions. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I feel like, okay, I saved my, you know, my entire adult life post-graduation, saved, saved like a motherfucker, got pregnant, bought a house myself, um, stayed on track. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a homeowner, I'm a car owner, I'm a graduate, I am like for 780 credit score like i don't have no credit card i focus 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 a bitch has to send her kids to daycare question mark how is it that people didn't even graduate from college can send their graduate from i mean and no judgment you got to do whatever works for you but i'm saying this was the rules that were told for me go to college get money life is easy or and you're over here hobnob and throwing stones or whatever the hell else or you're not working i have this one she's not my friend but she's a friend of a she's the baby mom of a friend we went to high school with and like she said she didn't work for like two years and i don't know to the extent of how much people's families you know help out but i'm over here busting my ass how do you not work and have a roof over your head? Yeah. Because i have a partner and if i lost a dime we wouldn't have a roof over our head yeah like one dime, like one fucking 10 cents out of my <laughs> bank account, we would be homeless. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand. And then these motherfuckers are, these prices, I, I'm talking about people who are not even have like degrees in childhood education, whatever. 
And I'm supposed to be paying you $2,000 a month. Month. That is more than my mortgage. For you to watch my kids, I might as well quit my job. You know, don't get me started on the women thing because that's a crock of bullshit too. But yeah, people don't do shit and shit just happens. And I'm like, should I just sit on my ass? Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's like the root of a lot of anxiety that us women, people of color feel and just being in like this, you know, age bracket that we're in, like you're always constantly kind of looking at other people. Like, how are y'all? Can I be racist? Because it's only the white people. Can I be racist? <laughs> I, okay. You know what? You know what? To, to the white listeners, if there are some, hello, it's not, this is where acknowledging white privilege, I think, just comes into play. And so if you're listening to this podcast, I think that you're open to, to hearing light jokes about very serious topics. Yeah. White privilege is that. I, we have countless friends who just inherited family money and we have money like we have a little bit of money like I'm not gonna my family's done really well you know my partner's family's done really well uh especially given the fact that all of our parents were born in the 50s and 60s right they've really accomplished quite a lot and given us a lot of opportunities but I just have white friends who were stoned out of their fucking minds in high school have 20 kids and live in these gorgeous ass houses without a care in the fucking world can get a job like that without a care in the world. And I'm like, what the, what the actual fuck? And that is just white privilege because I'm more educated. I'm definitely more intelligent. Uh, you know what I mean? Like not to be better than anybody else, but when you match us up on paper, if that's really what you're talking about, I far exceed anything that you could offer. And your life is just plain old, simple, easier. And I could say that about a counterpart who is black, you know, in the opposite direction. My life is just plain old easier. And we have privileges behind that. We, everybody has privileges, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they acknowledge them or not and all different types of, like, even when you talk about, and I'm going to go there, maybe I shouldn't, but whatever, you know. Colorism? Sure, colorism. But I was even going to say, like, some of my students, why I love them to death, um, and many of them come, well, all of them do come from a certain social de- uh, demographic, uh, but a social economic demographic, excuse me, um, where I have students who are like, oh, Miss Kelly, why are you tripping? And I'm like, what do you mean? This is when I was searching for an apartment years ago. And I'm like, I just can't afford an apartment. I don't know why I go to work at 730 in the morning and I can't afford an apartment every day. Right. And they're like, Miss Kelly, you tripping. Apartment's like $80. That's what my mom pays you don't recognize the privilege behind how much help you freaking get. Mm-hmm. You don't realize because mm-hmm. I'm over here. I can't get nobody's help. Yeah. Because, because you, of, that, because right. of the, all the credentials that you have, you've went to school, your parents are well, or like your parents are comfortable. You, right. You know, okay. They're okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't get, we don't get nothing. My children get nothing in terms of, Oh, you know, the daycare thing, they don't get anything. I've had people, why don't you just sign up for WIC, which is uh, Jersey's like, like little food, whatever program for kids. I don't, I don't make, what the hell are you, you talking about? You don't qualify for that. Don't qualify for that. Everything comes out of my pocket. Every single dime I make goes back into helping other people sit on their laurels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, like, had that same ex- you know? I, had the, I had that same experience too. Like, so, you know, I'm what, 25 right now. 
probably a few years ago, I didn't have any health insurance. So, you know, I tried to go to the doctor and they were like, well, you can apply for Medicare, Medicaid. I don't remember which one it was, but they were like, oh, you could, you know, you could like apply for it right now, right here. So I told them, I think I made like $2,000 a month at the time. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they were like, oh, that's too much money. I'm like $2,000 a month. That's like half of my rent. <laughs> that's barely groceries. And you know what I'm saying? Who's living off of $2,000 a month? And you tell me I can't have healthcare because I have make too much money that's not even like $25,000 a year that's not a you know thing that's not a, a thing. thing it's not you know a thing yeah they were and, and like people who be broke I'm sitting there like damn I should just be broke mm-hmm. I should just be broke because yeah. I can get a damn house I can get some free groceries I can get assistance and everything that I fucking wanted I can go to college for free shit Mm-hmm. everything and it's not to shit on people you know because there are very real circumstances and there's a lot of they really have to deal with as well but the middle class is is a thing it's a real thing it's 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 a rock and a hard place right and I don't think anybody wants to go further down the, the social economic ladder of course um and we do recognize our privileges but that doesn't negate the difficulties because mm-hmm. I want to know where my stimulus is at where is the We're all three of my students. You still haven't got yours? Because that, that no, it comes on the 24th because, girl, I was on the IRS website uh, this morning because okay. I was like, I'm going to give them till Monday and then I'm going to start calling people. Joseph, <laughs> where's my money? <laughs> okay, Miss Harris, haven't heard from you. Question mm-hmm. mark. Where is it at? Okay. So I can spend it on landscaping my yard. Yes. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to pay off some debt too. Okay. I'm going to pay off some debt too. <laughs> I'm like, the government is definitely yeah. listening. They're going to hold right onto that Listen, thing. But that matters for some people. Some people, it is that. Some people, it's the freedom to do things and not live check to check when they don't deserve it. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, that was a rant. I apologize for the listeners. No, it's... it's <laughs> Because um, I'm, I'm a flailing crockroach. Do you see stop. this? <laughs> I can't believe I said that. No, I didn't mind. It was really, it was good. And I feel myself and I can acknowledge it and move on. <laughs> All right. So can we talk a little bit about uh, your family dynamic? Yeah. So I think, you know, from just like the outside looking in, I think your family dynamic is interesting because I feel like you know your parents being separated and you know them not being like your main place of stay and still seeing them as you know a main source of leadership and a main source of like these are the people that I should follow and learn how I should show up within the world was still like a prominent part so I just wanted to hear like your perspective on how you kind of figured out how you should show up based off of them not being like consistently physically there around you. Nicole, that's really deep fucking question. Um, and that, yeah, that's a hard question. Um, I, I'll say right off the bat, and this is me obviously not thinking about this because my parents and I have had tumultuous relationships from childhood, I um, very much, we have an adult to adult relationship. I don't know if they feel that way. They might not feel that way, but I feel like I can step to my parents as if I'm a grown ass adult and they're grown and I can say what I need to say. And I think that they respect me now 
um, as an adult. And I, I'm not saying because I actually am an adult. I mean, like when I was 16, I could tell you something and you hear it as if I'm an adult. And I also think that, um, you know, when my dad started showing up in my life at first more financially and then, um, you know, as a, as a, as a parent, I guess would be defined in terms of emotionally, uh, you know, emotionally, financially, um, giving advice, like really, really being physically present, all of those four components, right? I think his financial um, stepping in came at a time where I was like gaining independence and I respected that. So he, he really started showing up financially, I would say for me, and again, this is my perspective on it. Um, when it came to my car and my computer, he bought my laptop and I was maybe like 16 ish. And cause I'm old, so I didn't have a good laptop, but I remember getting this Dell and it was amazing. I still have it. Um, and was super freaking hype about it. Uh, so I have my Dell and he bought my car. And I think that because my mom didn't do it and I was living with my mom and my grandma back and forth and my mom and I didn't have a good relationship at all. And she was just really, I just think going through her own life um, and not really concerned about me is how I feel about it. It was, it was two kind of aligning perfectly. I didn't need my mom because I had my dad's finances. I got my child support. So I became financially independent. I had a car, which made me physically independent. And, you know, I had a computer, which gave me access to information. And I didn't have a parent, my mom to be specific, who was, where are you? You need to be home. Where are you going? And so I remember saying like, you can't take my car because you didn't buy it. Which, if my child said that to me, I'd fucking punch you in the face. Paul yes, that is That's highly disrespectful. <laughs> it's highly disrespectful, but, you know, one time I was getting my hair done by my mom's coworker, and she was like, if you disrespect your children, your children will disrespect you. And, and I love my parents, and we've really repaired a lot of that damage, but my parents were disrespectful as fuck. They were just disrespectful. Plain old, doesn't matter how you cut it, they were disrespectful. Um, and they were disrespectful and absent. Like my grandma, disrespectful, but she's like with never- with their words? With their words yeah, with or their like words, their actions? Physical actions and regular actions, just disrespectful. Like things that I would never even think to do, um, hopefully. But I don't know because now I'm just starting out the little parenting journey and my kids be getting fucking nerves. They be getting nerves. I'm not afraid to say it. Sometimes I am like, bro, I can't do this. I need to walk out and never come back ever again. Sometimes I sit and I'm like, what is my life? Wow. This is a lot. But so I don't know, you know, I can't say like in 10 years, will I, you know, if I was handed the same situations, if I would handle things differently, I don't know. So I, I, again, I'm coming from a place of like not trying to judge them as much as like just speak on how I felt at the time, but having empathy uh, to what they could possibly have been feeling at that time as well. Right. But like, yeah, they were just disrespectful. And I just think the disrespect and the absence on top of my ability to then be independent um, allowed me to have this adult relationship with them. And so as I got older, I saw them as people and not as superheroes or parents have to be perfect, which I think a lot of people do 
emulate and, and look at their parents as like these <gasps> things. But that wasn't what I, I mean, I lost that with my, my parents, like college, I really needed my parents and they really showed up. And I think that, um, from then I was able to see these are human beings. They're older, they're human beings. And then it started to heal. I think when I became a teacher to kids, which is essentially your parent, especially in, in my school environment where the kids don't have, they don't, they have parents like how mine were. They have parents who are physically their parents, right? Um, biologically, but are letting them down along the way and, and not reliable, I would say, right? And so you start looking for other people to be reliable and, and, and people to support you. And I think that, um, yeah, when I, was able to reflect on like, whoa, like when I do wrong as a teacher, I'm like, wow, that's a freaking huge impact. Like, wow. So, and I'm human and I had the best intentions and I wanted it to work out. Like, even if it's like a lesson, like, bro, I'm like, dang, they didn't answer the question the way I thought they would. And you had to sit on that and you had to write it up and you had to think about it. And it's such a superficial thing. Like you didn't answer my question the way I wanted you to, but that's real. That's like what life is like. You could have the best intentions and it just not go right. Um, they, they really stepped up and then they started to get along and that made a, a lot easier. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Cause I, yeah. didn't really, I, didn't, I didn't really know it was like that type of dynamic. Like, you know, I feel like you've touched base on you not being as close with your mom as you wanted to and as close as your father as you wanted to, but I didn't know it was the point to like, you know, that type of like disrespect. So thanks for sharing. Oh that. yeah. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, so like, you know, you were kind of like talking a little bit about, um, feeling like, or you were, you had to grow up early. Like you had to speak to your parents in a mature way to kind of get that respect. So because of that, like growing up, how do you feel like that impacted the way that you felt like you needed to be a child? Because I feel like for me, I had to do the same thing. Like my parents were always at work you know, it was kind of similar situation. Like, you know, they were never around, but not in like a bad way. You know, I know they were doing what they needed to do, but essentially like I had to do everything on my own. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I had to cook, yeah. I had to clean, yeah. I had to find my way yep. to school, I had to find my way yep. back home from cheer practice. I had to do yep. all these things. Oh, you so told just, me about that walking. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, like, yeah. I had to, I had to become self-sufficient early like I'm talking mm-hmm. like 12 10 like mm-hmm. early like so how do you feel like that impacted how you wanted to show up or how you had to show up within your like friend groups and just like school and like just how you you know yeah I feel like um I'm a shitty friend because of it um and I think that I'm a very disassociated person and I think as a professional it works really well because I'm able to jump in and out of empathy, jump in and out of uh, protocol versus how I feel like a lawyer technique, right? Like lawyers know what's ethical, but then they have to decide what the, how the law is interpreted about a certain situation. Right. So I think I, I really have those skills because I always knew, well, I didn't always believe that my parents loved me, but I, I did know that they loved me emotionally I just, my brain didn't feel, or vice versa. My brain knew that they loved me. My heart didn't feel like they loved me. So I think that I am able to separate those two things very well. Um, And so for my friendships, I think that I probably lack the ability to um, believe connection with my friends. And I feel like they feel that. 
and over the years, um, and because my partner is my, the only friend that I have ever had, um, that I acknowledge that that was my friend, but even still, I think I struggle with like, are you going to leave me? Are you going to leave me? When are you going to leave me? When are you going to leave me? Right. And so with my friends, I've always, since maybe I stopped getting my feelings hurt by friends, which was maybe like once I graduated high school, I have this wall where I really like you and I enjoy you, but I, I like you to a percentage and I maybe project that you like me to a percentage. And, um, I am just careful because I don't really know how to have relationships with people. They weren't demonstrated to me very well. I don't have siblings, which, you know, makes it hard for me to, to have relationships. I didn't meet, I had, I have cousins, I have tons of cousins, but, um, I didn't meet them until I was older. Um, and we weren't really close until we could choose to be close. Um, and even then we had certain falling outs because everybody was just dealing with a lot. I have two main cousins that I would refer to. Um, and so, yeah, I think that again, like with my friendships, I am very guarded and very much like, all right, waiting for the shoe to drop. And I think some of it goes back to like, do I like myself? Right. And so, because I don't always like myself, I feel like there's no way that person could really like me. Like fully and because, yeah. Like me, yeah. Yeah. And so, and because I'm like, I'm annoying. I'm a failing cockroach. <laughs> I talk Stop. too much. I'm too loud. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's like the perfect, it's like, it's just showing up everywhere. So it's like perfect right now. But yeah, like, because I'm like too loud or because I might be a little bit uh, reckless with my mouth, whatever. My friends used to call me reckless. I just, I don't put a lot of salt in my friendships and I just try to be open for people, but I don't really give, I don't feel, and you're my friend, so you can tell me, but I don't feel like I give that reciprocal energy. I don't feel like I share a lot. I definitely feel like I'm like a listener, like, and you know, I just try to be a good human, but I don't know if, um, I've, I will ever, or I have been really like open and vulnerable in my friendships. Although I do like, obviously really appreciate them. Um, but it's, it's just hard for me. Um, and yeah, that's just not what I was exposed to. My mom was here alone and her friends, although, you know, they're my aunts and they've been friends for, since we were born for almost 30 years. Um, they lived out in DC. So I never really got to see them interact. And my mom didn't make friends here. Um, and so, you know, when I would be like, Hey, like, I remember I'd be like, why don't you come in for gymnastics and sit with the other parents, you know, after, you know, during practice or whatever, I don't want to, they're not my friends, you know, why don't you come to school and like help out? I don't want to. Why do you like, why don't you like stay like for this or for that? Or like, even like, why don't you make friends and they're not my friends. And so I just kind of felt like, okay, like they're not your friends. They're not my friends, you know? (laughs) So it's like layered, you know, being black too, I think in my mainly white world too, really damaged the way I look at friendships I was just thinking about that too. Like race also plays like a big part into, you know, how you see your friends and how they feel like they can love on you. Because if you know, in the back of your mind, like I have a big group of white friends and, you know, 
you know how racism is so prominent within our society. Like, how can you really love on me the way that I can't love on myself because the way that you're looking at me because of my skin color or how, where my family's coming from. So I definitely get that. But I was thinking about like what you were saying when it comes to not having trust that the people around you are really honest about what they say because I feel like I talk to you about this this all the time like you'll give me a compliment and I'm like really like or you be like oh like you're doing such a good job of this I'm like really like you 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 have to like acclimate your mind and your thought process to what other people are saying about you and you still are not really seeing the truth behind what they're saying so I definitely get that Yeah. I was going to say on the friendship with the white thing, I think for me, a lot of it was like, I grew up being kind of like this token. Um, This, I would articulate it as um, like the dolls you don't play with. Like, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I would have the dolls, the American girl dolls, and I wasn't allowed to play with them. They were there. They were on the shelf with the other dolls, but I was not allowed to play with that. Those, you know, those dolls um, because they were expensive. And so any person who has like, or that, I guess if it was like a guy, like the baseballs that are like signed and you're not allowed to touch them. Do you mean like going over to somebody's house or like? No, no. Like seriously, like like I had American Girl dolls, you know, the brands, right? uh, Okay. Yeah. So, and they were like literally like $200 a pop. Like, mm-hmm. but I had all eight of them at the time and there's more now, obviously, but, um, and they sat on my shelf. I could play with like Barbies and stuffed dolls, but I could not touch those. And so in my friend group, I felt like I was the doll on the shelf. I was allowed to be in the room with my white friends, but they didn't take me into account. Right. I couldn't date their guys. I wouldn't. Right. I remember I dated this one guy, white guy, and or I thought I dated this one white guy, and then they came. And can I call these people out? Let me do this because I don't think, let me do this as a therapeutic thing. And I'll say their first names, but I don't, I'll say some people's first names because they have positions that are harmful. It would feel good to say it so that I could acknowledge it can be acknowledged. Right. So police officers, several in my town said this ganged up on this little black girl um, and said, Shane, Ben, Robert, uh, Richard <laughs> Colton said to me, you know, he can't date you cause you're black and we don't date black girls. Y'all can hook up, but he can't date you or we're not going to be friends with him. So, and that's how I met my partner <laughs> because if I couldn't have Colton, the next best thing was the other token black guy, right? So, mm. I, you know, that was this establishment of our relationship, uh, you know, 17, 16 years later. But regardless, I say that I felt like that doll on the shelf. I was there in the room, but no one took me seriously. No one acknowledged that I was black. No one valued me. Um, for anything other than, oh, you're an acceptable, you're a polished version, you are um, a distinguished version of all of the others, and we'll let you come in to the circle, but like, don't get too close, right? Um, and then on the other hand, right, so I established this false sense of friendship, because again, it was, you can come to the ski trip, you can be on, you know, in our picture, but it's always going to be 
you're gonna put the fucking flash on. Yeah. You know, you're gonna put the flash on and disrespect and disrespect me. Or I'm always gonna be on the end, right? Like my mom would say, like, why are you always on the end of pictures? Because I I I don't really belong there. They're just allowing me to be there. Um, and I don't think at the time people acknowledged that. I don't think I had the education to acknowledge that. But on the flip side, I was brutalized by the black people in my schools it, because I didn't, I didn't identify with them. And a lot of it was the social economic stuff and, and, and some of the things that I was, um, ex- were expected, you know, from my family. Um, but also because I was so used to being like tokenized, I was really judgmental as well. So yeah, I think that still plays a part in my friendships of just kind of like, I sit back and whatever you extend, I will accept, but I don't know if I'm reciprocal. And that's why I appreciate your perspective though. And I don't know if that's something that you feel like something that you might feel like insecure about, but because you have this kind of opposite perspective of me because I feel like growing up I had I was like in a very diverse kind of town you know there was you know white people are pretty prominent but there's also a lot of like there's a lot of like Latinos and blacks and you know Asians around so it wasn't like I felt like an overwhelmingly amount of one type of culture we didn't have like the same kind of upbringing when it came to being in this kind of like black Uh, kind of culture because I feel like for me I didn't really get to experience like this kind of like white culture taking over my thought process whereas like you did so when you go into situations it's like you get to see like a different perspective on how black people are showing up like you know what I'm saying because you know I feel like that's what I was saying like I don't know if this is something that you're like insecure about because I don't know if other black people kind of come for you because of the perspective that you have that you didn't really get a chance to relate to because of the upbringing that you had because you weren't really around a lot of black people to be like all right this is me and this is how I should show up as a black person you know what I'm saying yeah no I absolutely do I still feel insecure about it I think my students are the only people who accept me for who I am truly um and I think the reason why is because um children I think are just able to they haven't been socialized, especially prior to getting out of high school. You really haven't been socialized. You've been mock socialized. That's what school is, right? It's a mock trial of what life is. Um, and so we teach you or try to teach you the rules and, and regulations of what you might see on the outside world, but you know, you're untainted, right? You're safe. And so when I, I think for them, they see me as a person for who I am and the qualities that I bring to the table without being hindered by what society would say that I need to fit into. Um, and they're just more open and the more generations that go by, they're just better and better than I could ever imagine to be. Um, but yeah, I do feel that even in my own relationship, I feel a lot of judgment because I, I think one of my strengths, but I do think it's taken the wrong way is again, being able to see both sides of a situation yeah, if I feel it's okay to say it about this, then it's okay for them to say it as well. And I think we have to draw the line at harm, right? And intent, Um, which do I feel that way personally? No, but is it fair on the outside? Yes, right? I think a lot of people within my own community, black people, when when they look at me, not all of them, but when, or not all of us rather, I should say, and I'm still working because even saying them and, and me is, is problematic and it's something I still have to work on but you're sitting there with 
oh, this is what I've been taught and I'm going to continue along what I've been taught and I'm not going to be open enough to have a conversation. But because I've balanced between the two and I was privy to a lot of um, racial undertones, I think I have an understanding of how you can be just raised so ignorantly. And because I didn't have people really teaching me about my blackness, teaching me what that was and defending it, right? I grew up very skewed. And so I'm not going to spit on my old self to be like, oh, like, what were you thinking? No, I'm going to be like, oh, well, if I was socialized this way as a black woman, and that was how I was socialized, then I could only imagine how a white person is socialized. And so I do have room for a little bit of understanding of, oh, okay, this is a learning experience. And so I'm not always jumping right to that, you know, you should know better kind of thing. Yes. Because I, at one point I didn't know better. So. And I feel like I do, I, I can agree with what you're saying with that because I feel like for me, I show up as a Jamaican American and for you, you show up as a black person. I feel like because my background, I was raised as a Jamaican child. And when I had to like kind of interact with the rest of the world, I felt like other black people expected me to like interact with them how other black people were being raised, even though I'm, you know, I'm black, my skin color is black, but my culture isn't from here. So like, so like, you know, like one example I use, like, you know, growing up, a lot of my friends were like, Nicole, why don't you hug? Or like, Nicole, why are you not like, uh, um, like emotionally like, like involved within this like what you know like it's just like there's a lot of like standards that you expect that you have to align with because of my skin color and I'm like the same thing kind of you're dealing with is just like the opposite end of that it's like you were around a lot of whites and your skin color is black so you kind of associate with what you know like you know what I'm saying I think we really box people in um in the podcast that I had referenced earlier in that conversation the Asian one and I'm gonna go ahead and not be ignorant and put them on so I need to find what their actual thing is called um Asian enough Asian enough is the podcast it's the American the heavy ass American stereotypes that we have those boxes that are so concrete that have everybody within their culture understanding themselves only through that lens right so if i'm black a black american i have to be poor i have to listen to rap i have to do this i have to use slang i have to because that is what blackness is right if i am asian i have to be smart i have to excel i have to be interested in you know whatever asian stereotype cartoons and anime and karate and i'm being racist right now but i'm these are serious stereotypes if i am latin i have to speak spanish and and all of those things have changed right over the last 10 years, arguably, but they're still really resonant in people our age. Um, If I'm gay, like even like people aren't going to believe I'm gay if I'm not effeminate, if I'm a male or if, you know, whatever, like there's so many boxes of like representation that goes into media and how we're really socialized to be a person. Um, And it's, it fucks us up because we play into those narratives and aim it at each other, especially in the black community. I'm not a member of another community, um, especially as like, we call it cisgendered. Yeah. You see my vocabulary? Yeah, you're doing great. Right? You know, (laughs) so 
I don't belong to any other really uh, marginalized group with, with the exception of female, but you know, um, yeah. So like, I feel like it's a constant juxtaposition of like, this is who I am, but this is who I'm told to be. And everybody's holding me accountable to be that way because they're being told to be that way. And we're all kind of like playing in this like little chess game thing. And I think we're moving towards more, um, I think one of the good things I'm like anti-social media, but one of the really great things about it is that they've exposed these different layers of people, you know, and it made it acceptable. You have blackish, although I'm not a fan of this show, but they open up this like non-fucking ghetto poor ass narrative of black people. Blackness is not aligned with poverty. It's not synonymous with poverty. And I think that black people would do a lot better as a collective, if we stop reinforcing that narrative. Yeah. Like if we say, oh, that's not blackness. It's the same thing as the slavery. You know, I always say enslaved. I don't say black people are slaves because one is a position, one is an occupation, right? To be enslaved, that was what you were occupied to do. That's your profession, quote unquote, right? And so if we start talking about it in a more constructive way and say, you know, white people through racism, and whatever the fuck else their psychotic motives were, Europeans to be more specific. Um, yeah, and I said that, psychotic. Whatever the fuck was on going on in their heads that they would take people and en- enslave them, um, we've got to get over that. And not over in remembering, but get over in, I'm not a slave. That is not my destiny. That is not who I am. I wasn't born that way. I was born into a working class of enslavement right? But that is not who I am. And I can get over it. And I don't, I'm not defined by being ignorant. It's not talking white. It's not, you know, being a nerd. I'm excelling because I come from people who excel, you know, and that's what I am. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's one of America's really hardest struggles. And I could only imagine even for immigrants, I teach a lot of immigrant children and I really had to learn that. I, yo, real talk. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? to teach you how to be an American because you don't want to fucking be that. And so I really, when I started learning about immigrants um, and I realized that I was literally teaching them to be American, I had to really sit with that and be like, yo, what the fuck do I want them to feel being American is? And if I sit there and I start talking about the racism and I start, you know, banging on them to speak English, if I make it a bad experience, if I teach them that they have to be and subscribe to a certain, within certain parameters, then I'm perpetuating, you know, the, the shittiness of our country, right? And so you have to just, I think one day I would hope that all of us can just be a little easy on each other and think about the moments where we didn't feel good enough or we felt like we had to do something to rise to somebody else's occasion and think on that before we then perpetuate it out, myself included. Yeah, that's real. And I feel like, you know, that whole statement that you said about just not being able to hear someone else's perspective or hear someone else's background and just being boxed in that is such a thing within like relationships too. Like even like within, you know, our people, I feel like something that I struggle with is like, okay, well, if I'm hearing what you're saying, like it can't be right because I've never heard that before. Like, you know, that was something that I had to like work through. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah. But but that that <laughs> whole kind of perspective is thrown on you, like because you get that in return. Like you know, my whole upbringing, like, well, your Jamaican culture is but this is what I know. So there's no way that you can feel the way that you do. And I feel like that just comes into play when it comes how you're speaking to people in your relationships. Like, okay, well, if people have been shutting me down my whole life about how I feel, I can go do that too. Because you know what? This is my opinion. You know, let me shut your shit down now, you know? And then, you, then that whole kind of cycle just kind of keeps continuing. And I, yeah. I also do feel like social media plays a big part in that too, because it's like, if you see this is what's working for this group of people, you feel like you need to acclimate. Like, you know, as a black person, I'm like, okay, well, I need to have a big ass, small waist, big curly hair, nice brown skin. And you see these people are getting millions and millions of likes. And all right, well, I need to have a big ass, brown skin, big hair, all this other stuff to like fit into this group of people. But however your body and your experience and your being isn't good enough because the engagement isn't the same, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I no, think it makes perfect sense. That's it, why I'm not online, because I'd be over a bridge. I'd be dead. <laughs> Period. But, but yeah, and I think all that stuff is so intertwined, like your upbringing and how your perspective is getting shut down and being boxed in is playing a role into your adult life and how people are showing up on social media and how people are showing up in their relationships and their friendships, even their career. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. But I just wanted to... Uh, hear your perspective on because you know you have two little twin babies and like I just wanted to hear how your thought process behind how you feel like you need to show up in the world and how that's going to impact your kids and how you might be like intentional about what you make them see and like what you allow them to hear and like or even like how your partner might be talking to them like because all of that stuff is so intertwined like you know your partner has his, his own kind of background a whole route that he defines himself with so what are some things that you're like no I want my kids to show up this way and like even having that perspective of like I want my kids to show up this way is some type of like being boxed in so how do you kind of work through that no I definitely I spent a lot of like my pregnancy just thinking about what I don't want for them. I don't, I'm again, like, I feel like I'm more of a long-term as opposed to short-term. So I wouldn't say that I'm like, this is what I want you to do. Right. I don't, I don't think, or I want for you, like, I don't have that foresight, but I definitely can think of things like I don't want. Um, and so I, tr well, I guess, no, I'm lying a little, I don't know. It's probably a little bit of both, but I think more so what I don't want. Um, and I think that it goes back to the top of like our conversation. A lot of it is like, oh, do I like myself? So trying to get to the point where I like myself and I'm okay with myself is really all I want for them is to not feel like their parents won't accept them for whatever they do. And that's going to take a lot of work for me. Their dad is like, he's like great at that. He like could care fucking less about anybody's walk of life. And while sometimes that irritates me because I think I'll, I take it as like a lack of expectations. And so you allow anything, but not for the kids, but just of people in general. But then, um, but that's like my anger again at that top of the conversation of like, how come you're okay with sitting on your ass and, yeah. you know, whatever. So that's my own shit, right? My own baggage, but he's wonderful for that. Um, and so I hope that they get that and that they just are not judgmental and they feel free. I feel very ashamed of, like, I don't, like, I curse all the time. You see that, right? Like, I 
am disgusting in terms of my language. Um, but I would never curse in front of my parents. I dance in my house and have so much fun in the house and we're silly and goofy, but I don't show that to the outside world. Um, yeah, like I think I'm just more free. And so I hope that they carry that on and something like, you know, whatever they, they need to feel like that they feel it's okay to be whoever you are. I think that's my biggest wish for them is like, put your middle fingers up to the world. No, I'm going to defend you. I'm not going to be like, or I hope I am not like, nope, you need to do it this way. Like, so I remember one time it was first grade and we had to be like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I did a hairdresser and my mom told me, no, you can't be a hairdresser. They don't make money. You have to go to college. You have to choose a different thing for your project. Mm -hmm. And while that could have been a conversation for a high schooler, I do think at a, for a first grader, that's nasty, mm -hmm. you know, um, because there are hairdressers who are enough and they're enough for their own families. And it's enough to do something that you love. Um, I think when I was a gymnast and I really just dreamed of being an Olympian, I wanted to be Dominique Dawes. I just wanted to so badly. You're not going to be an Olympian. You're not made for it. It doesn't come naturally to you, but you know, keep, you know, keep doing it. Uh, not something I would quite say, you know, shoot for the stars. And I think those lessons kind of come with time and then you can have those conversations, but really just letting them be free. I don't know if I do a good job, but that is definitely something that's constantly on my mind with Nola. Sometimes like I feel bad because, you know, people want to do her hair. And then sometimes I'm like, I don't want anybody to do your hair. I just want you to feel okay to not do your hair. Yeah. You know, and I try to be really conscious about it. I mean, she looks, I'm going to say it and it's definitely counterproductive, but she looks so cute when her hair is done, <laughs> done in her little pink tail. She looks just so cute and so beautiful, but, um, she also looks beautiful without it. And so I, but that's having to change my mindset. I have to, to see her as beautiful with and without her hair done. Um, so I think it's like those conscious challenges um, that like, I'm very particular about their clothes, but as they get older, I think that one's going to be a hard one for me is like letting them go out of the house without it. like looking a mess, you know, like them kids that and I'm judging these kids but I don't care <laughs> them kids with the unicorns and fucking you've got a tutu on where the fuck are you going and you're wearing rain boots and it's 100 degrees outside you just look like an asshole and your well, mom that's freedom but that's just freedom it is and it's so hard for me because that's just not how I was raised and so I always joke around I'm like well everything in their closet coordinates so therefore they'll never look a mess because everything is like a neutrally based coordinating, right? Mm -hmm. So they can have freedom, but they won't look a mess because it's impossible because their clothes are like perfectly, <laughs> you know, curated. But yeah, so I think those are my biggest things. It's just like, I really, really want them to feel free to be whomever they want to be. I, I don't want them to be traumatized the way I was as a child. I want them to feel, um, supported I feel like one of the things I will curse out anybody who upsets you I think I'm ready for it because I don't feel like I I felt defended enough in my childhood so I want to fucking defend you what the fuck did you say 
to my kid, I will show up and punch a little first grader in the fucking face and kick their ass and then take on their mom, you know, because I don't think that kids can fight their own battles. I don't think it's fair. I think these things have to happen gradually. And if I have a spoiled child, I have a spoiled child, but um, I think that's so important. Like you're not alone on this earth. That was it. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question, but I want to be intense for them. I want them to feel like loved and supported and I want them to feel free. And I want them to know I'm human and that like, you know, those are my goals, but I'm going to fail sometimes, but you know, hold me accountable and just, you know, be open. I want them to be, I want them to feel family. And I don't know how that looks like. I don't know what that feels like, but I'm going to try to make it so. That was beautiful. <sighs> Whatever. I'm like, no, I feel like I don't even want to follow up with anything because I just felt like that was so beautiful. <laughs> you know, like I talked to you all, well, maybe we don't really talk enough because I think that's something that we were talking about earlier. Like you are a really good listener and you don't really allow people in the way that you feel like you want to and I feel like you know I never really got a chance to hear that perspective of how you're showing up as a mom like I was like you can't see I know you're such a good mom you know but like to actually hear like your why your whole just like reasoning to why you're showing up the way you are and it's just dope it's really dope to just hear that it's beautiful oh well thank you I appreciate it <laughs> and that is Mackenzie Kelly y'all. yeah no I really appreciate this conversation Mackenzie thank you so much for being here and just you know taking the time to just speak with me about you know your perspective and like how much you have been impacted and how you are impacting the world so yeah I appreciate you thank you thank you Nicole I appreciate you yeah I don't know how to end these things yet thanks guys bye bye (laughs) I love you thank you I'll talk to you That's it for today, y'all. Thank you so much for listening into today's episode. I'm grateful for you allowing us to be a voice in your ear. If you love the Redefine Your Roots podcast, be sure to leave us your feedback and a rating after this episode. You can keep up with this series at Redefine Your Roots on Instagram. For any information about this episode, you can follow along with the links provided in the description. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an opportunity to redefine your roots. And until next time, be kind, be you, and be patient with yourself. I love you all.